Welcome to How Do You Write? I'm your host, Rachel Heron. On this podcast, I talk to authors about how they write, what their process is, and how their lives fit together. I'll keep each episode short so you can get back to writing. Well, hello, writers. Welcome to episode number 367 of How Do You Write? I'm Rachel Heron. So happy that you are here with me today as I am talking to David Ellis. I recorded this one a ways back, but I wanted to hold it until his paperback was coming out, which is right about now. And I loved this interview with him. He talks about how to surprise the reader. And let me tell you, he knows a thing or two about surprising the reader. I absolutely loved his book, Look Closer. So we're going to be talking about that. Stick around for that. You're not going to want to miss it. And what's going on around here? Well, I have just been steadily working and oh my goodness, it feels great. I worked hard for probably too long on the how to publish class and that took time away from my writing and I hated that. And now I'm back arms deep in the work, and it feels great. I am working on fixing the book that is called The Fix. It is, as I've mentioned many times on here before, it is uh, my recovery memoir. It's on my agent's desk. And what I'm doing right now is I am revising the first uh, 20% of it to my agent's recommendations and specifications. As And I was r- really not happy about even trying to do that. And then I thought about it. And then I thought, well, you know what? It is a method that I have not tried with this book because I already had it, you know, developmentally edited. It was ready to go, I thought. But it comes back to this idea that I talk about a lot, which is everybody who looks at your book is going to have a different idea for it. If you hire 100 editors, unfortunately, you will get 100 great ideas about how to completely transform the book you've probably already worked on and transformed five or six times yourself. So you can either reject what people say because they're not good ideas, or if you have an agent who's smart and she brings you a good idea, you get really angry about it for a while and throw a little fit and put it in the corner and say to your agent, fine, I'll I'll think about that and I'll get back to you. And months and months and months and months and months, dare I say almost a year, I don't even want to look it up, have gone by and I'm finally getting around (laughs) to doing this. So I'm revising the first 20,000-ish words uh, because she wants to take it out on proposal, which means the whole book doesn't have to be revised to match that yet. And then I will also write the um, memoir book proposal, which is a big ordeal. And she and I will work on making that good. And I'm sure that she will have some great ideas, which will annoy me greatly with the revision I do for the first third of the book. Um, That's not the first third, first quarter of the book. And then she will take it out. And then if she sells it, great. And if she doesn't, then I will self-publish it just like Seven Miracles, same attitude about it. Um, And I have to tell you, it's been working well. Uh, the book had been a little bit segmented and she asked me to smooth some bits to fit them together. They had been resting next to each other and she wants to weave them together, which is not freaking easy with what I'm dealing with. And in the last few weeks of doing this, it's going well and the book is better for it. Gosh, darn it. Um, So I have been doing that in all of my deep work time of writing. 
But I also wanted to share something with you that I've shared with my classes this week that uh, has kind of knocked my socks off. It is an update on my 500 word a day challenge that I gave to myself back in February, I think I started February 10th because I track things in Pacemaker, which is an app that I love. And I can see in there that I started this 500 day word a day challenge in on February 10th. And I wanted to do it for the rest of the year. And I, what I do is I just show up in the morning. It's the first thing, pretty much almost the very, very first thing that I do is I sit down and I start writing 500 words. I have been super enjoying lately using Cold Turkey Writer, which is brand new to me. And basically it turns your computer, I may have mentioned this before, but it turns your computer into a typewriter. You tell it how many words you want to write or how long you want to write, and then all functionality is switched off. And you, I don't think there's a way to jailbreak it. You could probably crash your computer, you know, turn it off um, to get out of it. But I can't find a way to cheat my way out of it, especially the way I do it, which I either set the timer, which is not like me. I like a word count, but I set the timer for 15 or 20 minutes. And that's, I don't, I don't spend any more time doing it uh, because the timer, I really can't cheat. If I set it for 500 words and I just get bored and want to get out and want to stop and do something else and check my email or do something that I've decided is dreadfully important, all I would have to do is just copy and paste the word hello 500 times and I'm out. I'm, I'm broken. But if you put the time in and I'm just sitting there for 15 or 20 minutes, and usually I, the only thing I do first is I take the dog outside. And then usually I hope that she comes back in and curls up at my feet. And if I move, if I go anywhere, if I walk away from the computer, she will wake up and then I'll have to take care of her. So I'm really stuck at the computer, which doesn't do anything but type. And I write and I write something. I write whatever I want. I'm nominally writing this um, book on writing very nominally. I haven't really committed to anything or I don't know what that book is doing. I'm also writing some um, other memoir style stuff. I play around with some Patreon essay ideas. Um, I write about my feelings. It's not a journal. It's actual writing, but it's whatever I want. And here's the thing. I looked at Pacemaker the other day. I have, I looked at it today. I redid the map since I talked to my students. I have 37 1,379 words. I have more than 37,000 words written in what feels like absolutely no time. I started mid-February. It's only June. And here's what's going to blow your mind. So my goal was 500 words daily, right? That's the challenge. That's what, um, that's what I would like. And I also know I am not a high-discipline person. I don't follow through with my goals. I complete a lot of things. I finish a lot of things and I hit goals eventually, but I don't ever follow exactly the goals that I set. And I'm okay with that. That's part of what writing is. And that's what I love to help people understand is that writing is about letting yourself down over and over and over again and continually being kind and rewarding yourself and being proud of the work that you do end up doing. So I have 37,000 words written of whatever it is I'm writing. Some of them are really good. Some of them are crap because it's first drafting words, but some of them are really good. And if you're, if you're good at math, you can see where I'm going with this. Since February 10th, there have been 124 days. It has been 124 days since February 10th when I started, as I record this on January 15th, or sorry, June 15th, 2023. I have only written on 57 of them. I've only shown up to do five, my 500 words daily. 
I only do daily-ish. I don't even do daily-ish. I've only done 57 out of 124 days, which is only 45% of the time have I actually sat down and done what I wanted to do. I have failed 55% of the time, which is honestly fine. I don't write Sundays, even though I always think that I would like to write those 500 words on Sundays. I don't. I go to an early morning meeting and I don't get to the page. I tell myself I will write on Saturdays and then I usually don't because I like to tell myself I don't have to write today, so I don't. So Saturdays usually fall out. I like to tell myself I'm going to write on Wednesdays, which is the day that I teach. And I normally don't because my brain is mush afterwards and I don't get up early enough to do everything I need to do before I start teaching and get the 500 words written. So I've already lost Wednesdays, Saturdays, and Sundays to my daily writing. Plus I usually skip another day in there because I'm doing something else or the dog really needs a walk or I just don't want to, or I have a migraine or whatever. I am doing this less than, I am succeeding at this goal less than 45% of the time to write for 15 minutes on bonus words. These are bonus words. They're not like my deep work. They're not whatever big project I'm working on. They're bonus words. They're fun words. They're just play. So I play for 15 or 20 minutes. Usually I get between 600 and 800 words written on in, during that time, but I only need or want 500. And I think, I think Pacemaker said my average daily sit down and enter into the computer is 652. So even though my goal is 500, if I write for 15 minutes or 20, I get 652 as my average that I put in. And that adds up to 37,000 bloody words. Can you believe that? Like that blows my mind. If I go at this rate, I will have more than 90,000 words written by the end of the year, just by playing for 15 minutes a day and not doing good work. I usually, I can't do much in 652 words a day. And I usually stop right in the middle of something. And the next day I go back and I, th I think, should I expand this? Should I keep going? Sometimes I do. And sometimes I go, no, I'd like to write about kale. I haven't actually written about kale. I just looked out and saw kale in the garden, but I could, I could, if I wanted to. And it's just been so fun and so cool and so liberating. And, um, I, I can't recommend it highly enough, especially if you're going to fail at it bunches of times and you'll still get work done. When you hear 500 words a day and you think, oh, and, and I won't do it all the time. You think maybe I'll have, you know, 4,000 words, 5,000 words. No, you will turn around and have half of a book written and you had no idea. I hadn't even been looking at, <laughs> to, to be very honest with you, in Pacemaker, the, the place where it shows the number of words you've written for your current project is very, very small and it's white on bright green. So with my eyesight, I couldn't even see it. I leaned in and squinted at it this week and that's why... I'm so shocked by it. I had no clue and I hadn't done any of the math. So anyway, that's exciting to me. That's what's been going on around here. All right. Let me give you a little bit of a bio for David. And I want you to then jump into this interview with both feet because oh, it's, and also just go grab the book. Seriously. David Ellis is a judge and an Edgar on award winning author of 10 novels of crime fiction, as well as eight best-selling books co-authored with James Patterson. His novels have been translated into more than 10 languages worldwide. In December 2014, Dave was sworn in as the youngest serving justice of the Illinois Appellate Court for the First District. He lives outside Chicago with his wife and three children. Look Closer is his latest release, and you're going to love it. All right, here's the interview. Please enjoy, my friends. Please get some writing done and come tell me about it. We'll talk soon. Here we go. Do you have a book you want to get out into the world? 
Do you feel overwhelmed with which way to go with it? Should you hire an editor? Should you search for an agent? What goes into being traditionally published? Should you think about self-publishing? What kind of marketing will you have to do? How much does all of this stuff cost anyway? So my class, How to Publish in Today's Market, will answer all your questions. It'll soothe your worries and it'll give you a roadmap for moving forward. This is the same workshop I've taught at Stanford and UC Berkeley, and with more than 20 up-to-date modules and my own down-to-earth yet enthusiastic encouragement, you'll be able to make the best decisions for your publishing career. It's currently 50% off for listeners of the podcast. Just go to rachelherron.com slash publish. You'll get immediate access and all the answers you've been looking for all in one place. That's rachelherron.com slash publish. Go check it out. Well, I'm so excited to have you on the show. Will you please share your name and pronouns with us? Uh, my name is David Ellis. Uh, he, him, is. Thank you. Yeah. I am so thrilled to talk to you because I loved your book, your most recent book, Look Closer. It was fantastic. Well, thanks. It was uh, it was a crazy book to write. And I think it was, from what I'm getting from feedback, it was a crazy book to read Yes, I get, and so many people say some version of "What the hell did I just read?" And um, I sometimes said that to myself, Rachel, when I was writing, like, "What the hell did I just write? Like, am I actually going to do this? Am I going to try to do this?" And uh, but I kept taking chances, and it was uh, it was by far the most fun I've ever had writing a book. And I've written a lot of books, but it's by far the most fun I've ever had. So we'll we'll talk a little bit um, about what what it's about and all of that, but what made you, what made this fun? What, what was different about it? Well, one thing was that that was one of the goals of mine. Um, You know, I took a little bit of time off of writing my own books. I've been writing with James Patterson and um, I took several years off. I had a little bit of a spat with my publisher and walked away for really like six or seven years. And then COVID hit. And um, the only blessing of COVID from my perspective is that I had, um, I was home all the time. And my wife said, if you're ever going to write another book, um, now is the time, one of your own books. And I knew how much I missed it. And I, and given how crappy that pandemic was, I said, you know what, this book is going to be fun. This is going to, I've always blanched at the idea of writing a beach read. I've always said, no, nah, my books are, you know, more sophisticated than that. And I think this book is sophisticated, but on one level, I wanted to say, if you want a beach read, this is a beach read too. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm just going to keep twisting the ground uh, beneath you and make you think one thing and then completely change your thinking maybe 30 pages later and just keep doing that until the book's done and you're dizzy from all the head spinning. And I thought that's what I like, you know, like when yeah. I'm watching a show, like nowadays, right? Nowadays, it's most of the stuff you watch is streamed and it's like seven or eight episodes. And the really good ones are the ones that just keep you jumping around. And I thought I want to do that in a book. And so I said, uh, I'm, this is going to be fun. That's going to be my number one goal was to make it fun. And it was fun to write. I think it's fun to read. I had one of those awesome experiences with it. And that, uh, Susanna actually, our, our shared agent sent a copy to me and I threw it in 
my bag as I took myself away on a writer's a solo writer's retreat, which really means a solo reader's retreat. Cause that's what I do. But most, <laughs> I, do uh-huh. I do a lot of writing, but most reading. And so I, w- it was a beach read for me. I was on a little tiny house on the edge of a cliff in one of the biggest storms I have ever weathered on the edge of a cliff. And I just read it from, you know, started it that morning and finished in the afternoon. And it was oh, really divine. It was one of those immersive, you know, we don't get those very often in our busy lives, but it was just immersive. I forget, except when the, the building would shake, I forgot where I was. I was so into it. It just drew well, me in. And you. I read all of the thrillers that I can. Um, and it takes a lot to shake me up, to surprise me. And you did it. So I, that was, that was my goal. And I, you know, I always say, Rachel, it's not a fair fight because I get to rewrite, as you know, I get to, I get to do all the rewriting I want. So, but I do think of it. I thought of this book the whole time as a game that the reader willingly enters with me. And I know most readers are pretty sharp and they'll pick up on things. And sometimes I'd let them pick up, pick up on something that they weren't supposed to, but I'll go ahead and let them do that and lead them down a path. And um, there's a lot of red herrings in this book and, uh, but it is a game, you know, I mean, ultimately, you know, in any of these mysteries or suspense thrillers, you want it. I, th- I think there needs to be that element of the cat and mouse and the fun. And at least that's what I like. And I'm old enough and I've written enough books to know that you got to write what you like, you know, cause yeah. if you don't like it, no one else will. Yeah. And that is one of my favorite, most delicious parts of reading is when I think to myself, oh, this poor writer doesn't know how smart I am and how I've already figured it out. And then it twists and you realize you did it. You did it. You didn't figure it out. You were wrong. The writer is better. And yeah, it's just, it was, it was so fun. So thank you for that. I would like to talk to you about your process, the when and the where and the how. Uh, First of all, when what does your day look like? I know you get up early. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I, I try to get up every morning at 3.30 a.m. And um, these days it's getting harder. Um, but so from 3.30 to about 7, I just am a writer. And that's, you know, I might have to, my daughter is now in high school. She's getting up earlier. But um, with a few Darn interruptions, her. I pay, Sorry? Darn her. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. She gets up at six o'clock and throws off my groove. But but yeah, but that's basically all my time right there. And then, um, you know, then I have to share with being a judge. You know, I've got a full-time day job that's very important and very important to me. And so the only time that's pure writing time, I just say 3.30 to 7. I'm not going to answer email. I'm not going to work on my judicial work. I'm just going to be a writer. And sometimes I can squeeze in other time during the day. If I've just finished a judicial opinion, for example, and I'm not ready to just jump into the next case, I might take an hour and, and work. Um, I've got a little office in, in the that's nice and dark and cool. And I like I like to be fairly dark when I write um, because my writing is a little bit on the dark side and that's a nice vibe. I try to put on some music, but the music is, does not always match what I'm doing, but you know, I've got some like heavier stuff that I listen to and I've got some really mellow stuff and I've got some really emotional stuff. And sometimes I will say, okay, I'm about to write an emotional scene. So put on your emotional music. That's more, you know, Some people might even say it's kind of cheesy, but it's emotional. And I it sometimes works. I like yeah. I have a playlist I call feel. And I just want to I just want to feel that emotion and kind of have it gurgle up inside me a little bit. Yeah. Oh, that's lovely. Okay. So then you go to the job and then you're not a night writer because you've got kids after about 3 30-ish, right? 
Yeah. Once the kids come home, um, you know, I, I, I can do my job as a, I'm on the court of appeals in Illinois. I'm on the Illinois appellate court, which means I don't hear cases every day with people coming in front of me. That's not mm-hmm. how it works. I get the appeals. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I can do my job remotely. And a mm-hmm. lot of the, since COVID, a lot of the appellate judges have been almost exclusively remote. Mm-hmm. I get the record from the trial court digitally. I write my opinions. Of course, I just do that on a laptop. I can talk to my clerks by zoom, like I'm talking to you or I, or we'll call each other. So I go in a couple days a week, but several days a week, I just stay home. Yeah. It's, you know, you cut down on the commute and I'm frankly, I'm more productive. Do you separate where you write from where you do the day job? No, no, I don't even same seat, same computer. Wow. Same computer. I'm talking to you on the laptop that I write my books and I write my judicial opinions. So at 7 a.m., you go upstairs, presumably get another cup of coffee and then go downstairs and just put on put on the virtual robes. And, yeah, and yeah, I, I get yeah. I get the kids off to school. My wife and I, my wife is is a working mom too. So so we uh we tag team on all that stuff. And then, you know, maybe about eight o'clock, it's time to be a judge. Yeah. Would you yeah. consider yourself a speedy first draft writer or are you uh where where no. does your time lie between first draft and revision? Uh, boy, I am not fast. And, and I've learned that. And my wife finally had to actually say it to me, you just got to face the fact Dave, you're not fast. After I, after I wrote, look closer. <laughs> um, and again, as I said, I, you know, for several years, almost a decade, I had stopped writing my own books. And so I was writing Patterson books and being a judge and being a dad. And now it's back to, you got your own books again. Mm-hmm. And now they're like, okay, when's the next one coming out? We want to put out the next one in a year from now. I'm like, I got to write this in a year. And I, my books don't write in a year. And I'm, you know, to, to specifically answer your question, Rachel, I, I don't, I, I mean, some people blast through a first draft and then do a second draft. I revise as I go and I don't recommend it, but I can't let go of a chapter until I'm happy with it. So I'll obsess over it and keep rewriting that chapter until I like it. And sometimes I'll go back yet again, but it's not like I finish the whole book and then I do draft two. I do go back when it's over and tweak it, but it's, you know, by then it's pretty much baked. Like it's, I do the work, I do multiple drafts as I go. And so it's probably not the most efficient way to do it. And, you know, Patterson would laugh at me. He does laugh at me for how I write my own books because it's very different than what I do with Jim. But uh, it's it's what I do at this point. And so I said to my publisher, I'm not going to do a book a year. I, I, I don't think I'm going to work that fast. It's just not going to happen. I, I just, if I'm going to if I'm going to turn out my best product, which I was I was very proud of Look Closer. I feel like that was a really good I was really happy with it. And I said, if I'm going to do that again, it's not going to be in a year. So 18 good. months, two years. I don't know. We'll yeah. see. Well, what I hear and what I love is that you know your process, you respect your process. And I always like to point out for maybe the new listener who has never heard me preach on about this, but uh, there are not very many writers who can revise as they go and complete good books that they're proud of. You can. So that is your process. What I see a lot is the newer writer who spends, you know, four years revising the first four chapters and never gets to the end. You know how to get to the end successfully with a product that you're proud of. And I would give anything to be that kind of writer because I'm the opposite. I'm the fast draft writer and I just write 
a mess. And then I, you know, that feels unproductive to me to go back and have to, you know, tear everything apart. So, you know, it's the grass is always, but, 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 it, but it's not, I mean, I, I actually wish I could do that, Rachel. I can't, I I'm not choosing to do it this way. It's the only way I yeah. know how to do it. The only way that yeah. makes sense to me. And it works. I, maybe when I was younger, when I was newer and younger, but more importantly, when I was a newer writer, because I, I didn't take any writing classes. I just taught myself how to write. Uh, and I just knew what I liked to read. Um, when I first started, I, I was doing that more. And I think I'm getting much more demanding now. I feel like when I'm done with a chapter, I'm saying somehow to myself, it's good enough to, to, to print right now. And so I won't let go of it until I feel like it's good enough to print. And I'm sure a lot of people would say, just write it and fix it later. And I don't do that. I kind of wish that I could. It's probably more efficient. I don't know. I don't know. Is more efficient. Yeah, yeah. It might like be this, the straight hair versus curly hair thing. We're always going to want the thing that we can't do that we Maybe. don't do. Um, yeah. I, and it, yeah. you know, you're you're getting to the end product of an excellent book. So that's that is what matters. That's what is what your most challenging part of writing? My most challenging part of writing is fighting my impatience because mm. I always want to get to the next big thing and the next big plot twist, the next big thing I know is coming up. And I sometimes am too impatient to properly set a scene. And I don't like it when people overdo that and, and spend, you know, six paragraphs describing the scene, or I don't need three paragraphs on the color of the couch, you know, right. like tell me what the color is and let's move on. But, um, but I wish that I did it. A, that is actually, if there's anything that I do in my second draft uh, that we'll call it, it's that I add a little atmosphere mm. because I appreciate atmosphere, but I'm always like, I'm an impatient reader and I'm an impatient writer. And so I'll think, you know, I should, I should set this up right now. I should set up what it smells like in here and what the, you know, the colors are. And no, I don't want to, I'll just go right to my thing. And I'll be like, well, then go back and do it later. I'll put a little asterisk to note, you know, atmosphere or something. That's what I wish I did more of and did better. It sounds like you're doing it in a way and that, and it's, and it's working, but I do appreciate that challenge. What is your biggest joy when it comes to writing? Oh, my biggest joy, I think, is when I have those breakthroughs on plot, when I realize I can do something that's going to be really cool. And uh, because I like those surprises. I mean, you know, you you try to you you want your book to be everything, right, Rachel? You want the prose to be outstanding, and you want the characters to be compelling. And I want all of that too. I I, I love it when I fall in love with a with a character. That's really fun for me. But ultimately, if my single favorite thing is when you have that wow moment in a plot. You're like, I'm going to set it up this way, and it's going to be this, and no one's going to see it coming if I do it right. And that is really enjoyable to me because it's really enjoyable to me to experience as a reader or a watcher of a show or something. Yeah, and so that, that's my number one. Where do you place yourself on the plotter pantser spectrum? Well, I would like to outline as much as possible beforehand. Um, I What I used to say is, like the lawyer that I am, um, you know, you, when you work a case as a lawyer and you're going to trial, when you begin to prep, when you get anywhere near time for trial, the first thing that you do is you write your closing argument. And that is what you want to be able to tell the jury. And then you build your whole case about 
uh, how to make sure you have all the evidence and the mm -hmm. information to tell the jury those things you want to say. Mm -hmm. So you start with the end and you work back. And what I used to do is I would start with the surprise ending in my head and then work backwards. And then, you know, I'd know the beginning, the end, and the, the middle 300 pages would be a bit of a mystery to me. I'm trying to be more deliberative about saying, okay, I'll do this and then let's have this happen. As much as I try to do that, I just know about myself that I can't, unlike a James Patterson who can do this, I can't plot out the whole book in my head before it happens. Once I start writing and these characters start growing, it just kind of pops. So I'll have a general idea of what I want to do. And Look Closer is, no, is, is a perfect example of what I'm talking about. Some of the stuff I came up with, it came midstream, you know, and I said, oh, I'm going to do this now, which means, of course, I'm going to have to go back and change some stuff, but not a lot. And it's going to be worth it. Um, so I'm I guess I'm somewhere in the middle. I don't I don't just completely start and go by the seat of my pants. I think my plots are too complex to do that. That would take me five years to write because I'd keep changing things. So I do try to have some general idea of what the surprises will be but I never get them all at the first draft. It's just too organic of a process for me. Oh, that's so funny. What about you? What do you do? How do you do I, it? Well, I'm smiling because I'm basically the exact same as you. And that's, you know, yeah. not always common, but I I like to know, I'm, I'm a little bit different. I don't know the ending, but I usually know the beginning and the darkest moment. And I work toward the yeah. darkest moment. And then I have no, no idea how to get there, that's get nice. to the darkest moment. And you, and oftentimes if I have made it as dark as possible, I cannot finish my first draft, I get stuck because it's real dark. I can't, I can't work my way out of it. And it takes that first big revision for me to figure out how to get these people unstuck. So, oh, so you, very you, you drag yourself into a, into a brick wall and then try to figure yes. out how to work. And, and a nice thing about my process is that I used to spend three or four months banging my head against that brick wall, trying to get to an end. And now it usually only takes about two weeks. And I re and I realize again, Oh, this is my process. I'm 80% I'm done with the book. I just need to stop and start over. That's I am going to revise now. Still don't know what the end is, but I will, by the end of that first big revision, I will, I will know it. You, it usually, you know, you get that, the, the yeah. lightning bolt, the, yeah. the, yeah. the shower moment where you're like, oh, of course this. And I love those moments in writing where it feels like there was no other solution and you should have seen it all along. And when the reader gets there, they'll go, oh yeah, of course, of course. But it's always frustrating that we couldn't see it until we could see it yeah. until we yeah. drove around yeah. that corner and it's obvious. Yeah. That's a, that's a really gutsy way to write, to, 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 to know there's don't a, love a, it. a really dark corner you're coming up to <laughs> and you don't know how it's going to happen, but you just drive right to it. I think that can produce excellent fiction. Um, and I think that's a really gutsy way to write. Did you ever, when you were, uh, you're younger than me, I can tell, but I don't did you so. ever watch we're probably those... about the same age. I'm 50. Okay, I got you by five years. Okay. <laughs> so, so I know you don't live in America, but did you ever watch those cheesy old Batman TV shows mm -hmm. like from like the 60s, like the reruns sure. of it? Yeah. So there was a Batman that I just always laugh about where uh, the Joker took Batman and Robin and held them over. He had them in like a little, um, almost like a... I, he, he was holding them over a barrel of acid 
they were they were held by something that looked like something you'd sleep in in your backyard or something. I can't think. Yeah, of Yeah, like word. a hammock. It's really. Yeah, it's I'm really, sorry. That's it. It's hammock. It's in my head. They're I can see that like image. In this, yeah. Yeah, and they and, and and of course because it's a cheesy old Batman show, the Joker then leaves. Right, he leaves and them to 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 die so they can get out of it. And so I'm and I'm sitting there and this this would be a dark quarter. It's a cheesy example, and I'm like, how on God's green earth are they going to get out of this? And Batman then threw his cape over his face, jumped into the acid, popped out, and Robin said, what happened? And he said, well, luckily, Alfred, you know, the butler, luckily, Alfred insisted I wear my acid-proof cape today. <laughs> and I thought, at the time, when I was probably like eight, I'm like, that's genius. <laughs> you know, and I'm and I eight-year-old genius. Because, you know, of course, that is a ridiculous <laughs> plot twist, right? That yes. just was the laziest thing for a plotter to do. Well, luckily I'm bulletproof and I didn't tell anybody, you know, um, but I always think of that. You're always looking for the acid proof cape, but you got to, of course, you got to set up the acid proof cape ahead of time. Yes, that is a good, that's a great I know it was, it was hilarious. At the time, I thought it was brilliant. I And they hit their target market, you know, they wanted the Absolutely. eight to 12 year old kids to yeah. think it was genius and it, and it worked and we're still talking about it this, this much longer. Okay. Know, speaking of... The craft of writing. Do you have a craft tip that you can share with the audience? Oh, gosh. You know, um, I, I guess my best craft tip would be if you are stuck, just start writing. Yeah. Just start writing anything uh, about the scene that could possibly come to your mind. And don't and, and just always remember that no one's going to read it until you release it. You can you can change it. Um, I, that's what I do when I get writer's block. I, I if if I if I've got a scene and I've got a couple characters in that scene and I don't know what to write yet, I just start thinking. I just say, okay, at this stage of the book, where are each of these characters? What are they thinking? And I might just start writing their inner thoughts. Like I'm freaked out now because the the cops think that I committed a murder. I'm not really sure what to do. And and the other person is like, yeah, I kind of think this guy might be the killer, but I'm not really sure. And I just start writing that kind of stuff, like what they're thinking, or I just start make, having them talk. And suddenly it starts crystallizing. It, it, that, that is the best way to, it's, it's a warm up. It gets the juices flowing. It's just start writing whatever you can think of to write. Even if it seems off point, it will get you going. Because I have had plenty of times where I've stared at a computer screen for an hour and a half. And I keep talking myself out of something. I'll start to write, nope, that's no good. Nope, that's no good. Well, maybe I should do this. Maybe I should do that. And I'll just sit there and think about it. And that's, you know, we're, we're the kind of people that, you know, we're, we're task oriented people. We like to check boxes and it's frustrating to stare at a mm -hmm. computer for an hour and do nothing. Mm -hmm. So just start getting into the character's head at whatever point you are in the book and just have them start thinking about things that bo are bothering them or that matter to them. And you may throw every bit of it out, but it will probably move you quicker into that scene than if you just stare at it. If you do nothing, you're going to get very little. If you start typing you're usually going to produce something. I love that because, and the more we stare and think, the tighter we're getting. And as we are writing, the looser we're getting and our brains that's are relaxing absolutely a little bit. Right. And that's when the ideas come for me. Yeah. That is 100%. That's a very good way to yeah. put it. You, you you start you start loosening up your muscles and then suddenly you're you're, you're moving again. Yeah, yeah. It's a, that's it's probably a trick we plan ourselves. I have a, a, I keep a little journal in each book 
there's like a, you know, I use Scrivener. So there's a journal file. And I, when I get stuck, I start, I just start talking to myself or the characters. And then eventually I am talking, there's something in there that I could just copy and paste into the scene I want. And then now I'm writing. Yeah. yeah. So it's kind of training wheels. All right. No, so uh, what is the kindest thing that anyone has ever done for you in your writing career? Well, gosh, I don't, I have no idea how to answer that. <laughs> I, I'm such a, I'm such a solitary writer. Um, well, then the next I, question, I, let's I, just shift it to that. What's the kindest thing you've ever done for yourself as a writer? Well, I think that I probably the kindest thing that I did was when I walked away for a while. I was um, tell us about. I that. was so I I at this point I had written I think nine of my own books and I was on number ten and I had done a, a draft. They wanted me to write a certain character. They wanted me to create a series based around these characters, and I'm. I live in Chicago and I'm a judge, but I'm also around politicians a lot. And I've, and they viewed me as like the political guy from Chicago. I'm really not political, but to the New Yorkers, I was, mm -hmm. and they wanted me to write about a political fixture. So anyways, I tried to, I, I wrote a draft that I liked and my editor wanted me to make some substantial changes to it. And I didn't really agree with her, but I did. And then I spent about a year doing that. And then she wanted me to make more changes. Oh. And at, at this point, I've written nine of my own books, and I've also been writing with Patterson. And I'm thinking, you know, this rewrites, that's another year now. And, and I don't really think you're right. And I, she was nice, and she was smart. Um, but I did not agree with her. And I said, you know, I'm going to take a break. You know, I've got Patterson books I'm doing, and it's fun to write with Jim Patterson. It's very fun. And I had just become a judge. This is 2014. I was sworn in in 2014. And, uh, and I, I just, I, I, I said, you know, I'm going to get off that, that mill because they're like, we need a book every year, Dave. Right. Because that's mm -hmm. what they want. And I appreciate that. They're trying to build me. I appreciate that. But I thought I'm, what am I doing? I'm not doing something that matter that, that I care about as a writer. I'm not loving what I'm doing. So I'm just going to walk and I'm just going to get some air and think about it. That took me eight years to do that. But, um, and more like six, because I started writing in 2020 um, during COVID. But I I think that was really good for me. And I spent a lot of time with Jim. And Patterson, he'll be the first guy to say that his books are not going to win awards. But the truth is, is James Patterson is a brilliant man. And he knows so much about what the reader wants and about character and plot and I learned a lot from him and I drank all that in. It took me a while to figure out some of the things he was saying to me, but now I totally get him. And I've used a lot of him with my stuff. I've fused some of James Patterson's stuff into the new Dave Ellis. And I think it has helped me. I think it's improved me. So I think, you know, sometimes when you're just so busy cranking stuff out, Rachel, and you're on a deadline after deadline. And it's just think of your next book and write it. It was nice to take a breather. I think that's that I've never been asked that question. That's a really good question, but that is my answer. I took a breather. Were you with Susanna at the time when you took that breather? Yes, I was. What? You know, she's yes, going to listen to this because Susanna, she, what did she Susanna say when you so said great about it? I want to step back. I want to, I want to hear those words. What did she say? <laughs> so Yeah. I mean, she said to me, she said, look, um, 
I mean, I don't want to start ripping on my publisher. Uh, they're good people, but she, but not. even they yeah. said, yeah, yeah, Dave's getting a little ping ponged around right now. Yeah. You know, um, he's getting a little jerked around and um, we would understand if he's really, a, if he wants to break the contract. And I said, well, I'm not going to rip it up. I had a two book deal and I'm not going to rip it up. I'm just not ready to do it right now. And she said, you know, she's so cool. She's just like, Susanna is cool. If that's how you feel. Then that's what you should do. The same thing happened, Rachel. So I told you that they wanted my next book after a little closer to come out and next year, I actually submitted a manuscript mm-hmm. to be ready to be published next, next June or July. And um, I pulled it back. I called her a week later. said, it's not ready. It's not good enough yet. Because you knew and part you of that, it. to be honest with you, was the reviews I've been getting with Look Closer and all the feedback from fans and everyone saying, oh, my God, what did I just read? I'm like, I have now set a standard and I'm going to yeah. do that again and again, but I can't probably do it in the same time frame. And Susanna was so wonderful. She took all the pressure off me and she said, you know, you're writing for yourself and you're writing for your readers and you think this is what my readers want and you want to deliver it. She said, that is everything you should be doing. And if you tell me because you're a judge, because you have young kids that you can't do in a year, then it's not going to be in a year. You don't have to write a book a year. You have to write great books. And I said, oh, God bless you. And and to be honest, my publisher was also great about it. They're like, okay, you know, you, we respect what you think. And so they've been great. And I'm rewriting it now, and it's it's a challenge, but um, but I think it's much better already. And um, yeah, no, Susanna has been my biggest supporter, and I bounce everything off her. I'm sure you do too, Rachel. She's yep. she's just a wonderful person. She knows her stuff. She oh my really god, knows does her she ever stuff? Yes, and she you will know. never she will never blow smoke either. Sometimes I wish she would, Susanna. Don't, no, she'll don't tell stop you. being you. Yeah, she will tell no, you. No, <laughs> but I mean, but what good does that do, right? I always say, exactly. give me your honest exactly. opinion. I mean, yeah. what the heck else is the point, yeah. right? Yeah. Because the oh, readers will awesome. give you their honest opinion, right? Oh, yes. Your, your oh, readers yes. will tell you what they think. Yeah. No, that's that's wonderful. Oh, that's so cool. Okay. So what is the best book that you have read recently and why did you love it? So my favorite book recently is a book called The Widowmaker. It's by a, a, a new author named Hannah Morrissey. Her first book was called Hello Transcriber. Uh, it's about a police transcriber. And uh, the second book is The Widowmaker. She's created this, this town that's on Lake Michigan in Wisconsin. It's called Black Harbor. And it's the, her right, she is going to be a star. She is a mm-hmm. nice person. I've met her. But more importantly, her writing is absolutely phenomenal um if you read tana french oh i love tana who's an yes. irish writer who's yes. you've read her so she, oh so yes t- okay so i'm an enormous tana french fan and tana french is irish and she built a, a whole series around well her latest is not but her other books have all been around the dublin police force and what they call the murder squad which mm-hmm. she just invented but who cares well i i think of hannah is as the Tana French of like, you know, mid mid Wisconsin, right? That's so awesome. We, yeah, and she's she's her writing is poetic. It's dark. It's creepy. She's really into psychological thriller stuff. It's her characters are very dark, but it reads very quickly because it's so fun to read. I am a gigantic Hannah Morrissey fan. I she, she. It, 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 I, it just came out. I, I got an advanced copy. 
but her book just came out, I think, yesterday, The Widowmaker. I, I should highly I start with it. that one? Or should I start you, you with can the read them out. You one? can read them in it. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm just talking over you, but you can read them in any order. So they're both Black Harbor, but you could read The Widowmaker. You'll love it. You'll want to go back and read Hello Transcriber. They're amazing books. Good. Thank you. What a it's, great it's fun. It's fun to it's fun to see new authors come on the scene and make such yes. a splash. And yes. she's one of the sweetest people you'll ever meet. She's the most humble person. I, I said, if I were you, I'd be beating my chest. But she's very humble. And that's great too, because I have often thought we don't really have a ton of French in that particular way in the state. Yeah. So I would love it if we if we got one and it was Hannah. So I will be checking that out. Speaking yeah. of fabulous books, can you please tell us about Look Closer? Give us the log line. Tell us a little bit about what it is without giving anything away. Yeah, you know, it's really hard. I mean, so many people <laughs> when reviewing it have said, I don't want to tell you the plot because everything is going to be not true that I say, so go in blind. <laughs> I would recommend going in blind. I mean, basically, this book follows two characters, although there are other points of view. Uh, the characters are Simon and Vicky. They are a married couple uh, who live outside of Chicago. Uh, they're, they, they like each other a lot. They respect each other. They may or may not love each other. There is a trust fund that Simon has inherited that is coming due uh, when they hit their 10th anniversary of being married, which is weeks away when the book begins. Um, and uh, what Vicky plans to do when she becomes entitled to that trust fund is a, is certainly part of the story. Um, there are affairs. Um, there is uh, a long lost love who reemerges. The book begins with a murder. Uh, the first page of the book is a murder uh, in, in in this suburban town, a sleepy little suburban, you know, uh, bedroom community that's never seen a murder before. Um, and so I, I'm not giving anything away because it's page one. And the book uh, goes backwards at times and, and talks about um, how we got to this point. And it sometimes goes forward with the police investigation. I try to work those two things together. But I can tell you, Rachel, that I've just given you a little nutshell of the story and about half of the things that I said were not true. <laughs> there, it's almost impossible to tell the story, to, to give a synopsis without giving something away. Yeah. Um, but I, I made the book. I wanted the book to be, I told you, I wanted the book to be fun. I wanted it to be fast. It's got a lot of chapters because they're short chapters. So the book looks big. And a lot of people have said this. I saw how thick it was. I was worried about it. But it's a very fast read, and I think it's a really fun ride. I hope people enjoy it. I certainly did from page one to page end, and it was one of those things that I wish I could experience <laughs> all over again. So I'm very eager for people to pick this up and experience it for well, themselves. Nice. Thank you so much for being on the show. Where can we find you out there on the internet? So I'm on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. I think David Ellis Author is my handle on Instagram. I think it's basically my handle on Facebook as well and Twitter. Um, I'm not hard to find. Uh, DavidEllis.com is my website. And, um, you know, what I always say to readers is please let me know what you think. I'd love yeah. for you to post a review, but also just reach out to me. And if there's something you didn't like, I want to know it. Because ultimately, I'm I'm not writing this in a vacuum. I'm writing this for you guys. Yeah. So if uh, So please get in touch with me and let me know how you felt. That's lovely. Thank you, David, so yeah. much for being here. Thanks for having me, Rachel. This was great. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of How Do You Write? 
You can reach me on Twitter, Rachel Heron, or at my website, rachelheron.com. You can also support me on Patreon and get essays on living your creative life for as little as a buck an essay at patreon.com slash Rachel, spelled R-A-C-H-A-E-L. And do sign up for my free weekly newsletter of encouragement to writers at rachelheron.com slash write. Now go to your desk and create your own process. Get to writing, my friends.